I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the All by the Popcorn podcast. I'm Alessandra. And I'm Emily. And today we are talking about Maestro which is uh, Bradley Cooper's second directorial debut, I guess. Um, well, and not debut. <laughs> not debut, the sophomore film. Just the second. It's yeah. the second film, which is, a, you know, yeah. highly anticipated. He did such a great job with A Star is Born that I think we are anticipating the same level and quality as that. Um, but this is a biopic about Leonard Bernstein, Leonard Bernstein and his wife, Felicia, Um and it's pretty good, I think. Like, generally a good biopic. What did you think? I generally like biopics because it helps me, like, learn about people. Um, I've obviously heard Leonard Bernstein's music, but I don't really know much about him as a person or his life. Um, but honestly, I didn't feel like I learned this. This movie, to me, felt like like a character study yep. instead of, like... Like, this is what this person did at age, blah, blah, blah. They did this. And then at yeah. age, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know how, like, biopics can be really meticulous. And yes, th- this was chronological. They can be very meticulous. They can be very, like, concise about what they are showing you about this person. And they could be a bit more informational, I guess. It feels, it feels like it. This one felt a little chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um... I wasn't quite sure. Like I was, I was getting these scenes. I was watching these scenes and I was like, okay, this scene just happened. Not really quite sure what, what the takeaway was here, but it happened. And I'm like, okay, moving on. So like, that's kind of how I felt throughout this movie. I didn't really know what was happening. The screenplay was a little, um, like I I couldn't quite understand what everyone was saying. (laughs) Right. With captions on. I was having a hard time. I was no, like, what are you like talking about everything felt so out of context, and I was like, I, "Do I am I supposed to know what's happening right now?" No, I totally agree with you. Like, I thought that as well, and I think that's kind of the um, essence that they were going for. Where originally yeah. everybody is kind of talking in this double speak, where it's the 1940s and 50s and stuff. Like, people are not saying what they mean to say, you know, like. What they are saying is veiled in the, um, s like in the times of like not talking about sex or talking about sexuality as overtly and bluntly. So they kind of say everything like with subtext. Um, mm-hmm. and you know when it got into like the color version, it was definitely more like it was less subtext, but. I still felt like their accents and their like transatlantic accents were like such a an old timey feeling that it was like harder to connect with them when they were younger than when they were older and closer to 
our time. Yeah, it really felt like when the movie was... So it definitely... it So the black and white scenes were obviously when just when he was younger. And then, like, they got color... Got into color as he got older. And the... The... The huge differences of how the movie even felt, like, stylistically mm-hmm. and, like... And just, like vibe like like the vibes were so different when it was in black and white than it was in color it was like the the movie felt so like i want to say caricature but it felt very like whimsical and yeah oh yeah unreal when it was black and white because we had like those musical sequences uh, almost like with the with the sailors when they were on stage that was a total Um, like yeah abstract dance number that was like a whole thing that happened yeah and then and we didn't really get those when the movie turned to color. So it was like, it was almost like the first half of the movie, like wasn't even real or the first part of the movie. Uh, This movie was two hours. This was definitely over by the, before, before the middle of the movie. But like that section of the movie, like didn't feel real. (laughs) It's the beginning of their relationship. Uh, It's the honeymoon phase. I think Mm -hmm. that's definitely where we see the most life in the two characters. The time when, um, Leonard is given his first chance and he's eager and bushy tailed and same with Felicia. Yeah, he gets this call that someone doesn't show up and he gets to, he gets to conduct yeah. this. He was like on standby At or Carnegie something. Carnegie Hall. But, but, yeah. But it was like, you're on standby, but like, it's not going to happen, Leonard. Like mm-hmm. you're like, you're not going to, like, it's not going to happen. He's like, okay. But he gets the call and he's able to do it. And there's just like this, this shot of like, he's running like straight to the like it's it's almost as if he lives in the theater but he yep. doesn't like it yeah. was just very that's how it transitioned and it was just super musical and super whimsical and like mm-hmm. so so and this movie was so engaging i didn't really know what was happening most of the time but <laughs> it was very mesmerizing yeah i'll say that yeah, because watching the actors, I think, are re- they're very mesmerizing actors, especially Carrie Mulligan. She's just, she's a joy to watch any at any moment that she's on the screen. So just kind of like having them be around each other and doing things together and, and those like sweeping, beautiful um, shots, like cinematography that are just, uh, you know, the black and white and the high contrast and shadows and things like that. Um, it's very dreamlike. It's very enticing. Um, and then we get into like the nitty gritty, like when the honeymoon phase is over, who are these people? And is their basis of love enough to keep them going? Yeah. Yeah. Like we're, did you guys even really know each other when you got, when you got married? But then you're kind of just, you're, you're figuring, they're figuring themselves out. But they're also still kind of figuring each other out. And you're kind of just seeing the the um, the ups and downs of marriage. Yeah. It reminded me of being the Ricardos in that way. Because even though that's like a small mm. amount of time, you see yeah. this two really smart people in a couple and men going to be men. Um, the audacity. And, and they really just have the audacity, right? And you're like come on Leonard like you're a better husband than that you can be more discreet with your side pieces you can be a little bit more loving towards your wife um 
who feels like you've been casting her aside for, you know, the proclivities of like men instead. And I think she just like gets to that point where she's like, do I love him despite his need to do this? And she does. And by the time it's the end, she he sees her and then she gets sick and dies. So it's like, oh, well, how convenient that she dies so that they don't have to worry about this anymore. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> not that these two didn't love each other because people are very very complicated and life is long and sometimes you're unhappy and depressed and sometimes you're not like i think it's just the nature yeah. of these kinds of personalities and the nature of somebody like leonard bernstein who was an absolute genius so <laughs> Yes, very much so. And you make these decisions when you're when you're younger. It's like you there's there's not a point in time where you are you yes, there are more things about you that become solidified like in your personality and just in your character in general, but you're a constantly changing mm -hmm. being. Um and so decisions you make when you're when you're of a younger age you can definitely change how you feel about that decision you made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, I think they ended on a, on a high note with Leonard as a character and he, he kind of redeems himself. I think towards the end, obviously as being more of a devoted husband to his ailing wife, um, and dying wife, um, and family. So I'm glad they kind of showed the ups and downs and the kind of ins and outs of his life um, without honestly showing us too much of his conducting like or composing. They, they showed us some, but I think it's just like, it's really about the relationships and um, that's kind of, I think it's very well done. And I think, I do think it's one of the best movies that we've seen this year uh, just in terms of its scope. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But you know, I it was we can, very well done. We can talk about uh, Bradley Cooper's performance because it's interesting. <laughs> yes, I was watching. I watched most of this with with my roommates. I think I started it, and then they came in, and Casey and I were talking about how talented Bradley Cooper is. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he's he's very good in this like he just morphs into into whatever character he is he is portraying like it's it's crazy like seeing him and how he portrayed his character in a star is born mm -hmm. and now with this one like they're just so completely different oh yeah and it's it's very i feel like that there are actors where just i'm so solidified in who they are as a person that i'm like okay this this person is 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 this actress. I can't really see them as this character, but I feel like Bradley Cooper has been very good at um, like really taking on these different characters um, that he's been getting. And I just think he's crazy talented. Like I, I was, I was, I was floored by, yeah. um, by his performance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's possible that he takes home the Oscar for something like this. Biopics are definitely common for best actors to win or best actresses. Um, so that is a, a big possibility. Um, 
he to me had like the right amount of like zaniness that his kids have even said like that Bradley does a great job of bringing out the dad that they think they wanted to know as adults but didn't really get to know as well um because there's many mm. sides of a person yeah. and they they thought that it was nice that he was so kind of like excited and, and endeared to life like such a passionate person and and truly Bradley like embraces that it it full like wholeheartedly and the makeup does an excellent job as well of like carrying the weight of the experience that the actor himself does not have. Um, I think that the makeup artists were fantastic. Yeah, I completely agree. The makeup was so good. Um, and, and I kind of want to go back to you saying that, that there weren't very many conducting scenes and there, and there weren't, but the ones that we did get, were usually pretty lengthy. Like, yeah. like we would see like in a, like a, at the end there in that church. Um, and yeah. in the whole, and in another one, we just, um, yeah. We're the one where it's just on his face. He's younger. And it's, I, I, I think it's that first one he get he gets the call for. Yep. And so he's there and he's, and he's doing his first um, conducting and you just see his face and these like facial uh, um motions that he's making like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's so mesmerizing it was crazy i like i could not look away i was like what is happening right now this man look, look looks like he's possessed like yeah. conducting this this orchestra and it's and it's uh, very engaging yeah the the one of him in the in the church is is exactly that it's it's a wildness it's like a frantic um sweat everywhere hair everywhere like such a physical performance um incredibly difficult i think to to do something like that when you're not yourself a conductor or a composer so um that is just one of the many incredible scenes that bradley cooper has yeah and another um surprising i didn't know that she was in this but um is it Sarah Silverman? I don't yeah, feel like she's it's his sister. Whose sister? It's uh it's Leonard Bernstein's sister, Shirley Bernstein. Oh. Oh yes, yes. I thought <laughs> I thought you were saying it was uh, I don't know. I thought you said that this was Bradley Cooper's sister. I'm like, what well, they're not related. No, um, they're not. But yes. they're not. <laughs> yes, she was playing Shirley Bernstein. Um and I thought she did a really great job too, and I don't feel like we see Sarah Silverman in like very serious roles like this she was she was definitely playing like a like a little a little dramatic a little um a little humorous of a character like she was yeah very, i wouldn't say funny but like she was quirky i guess you can kind of say that she plays the role of the best friend confidant um for the both of the main characters so it's very convenient <laughs> to have just one person be that especially for felicia um, and when she has that conversation, like Felicia has that conversation with, with Shirley, like at their, at a home during one of the holidays and the kids are running around and she's like, you know, I think I'm just going to let him have what he wants. I think I, I'm ready to, to let go and like give that to him as a wife. 
And I was like, is she talking about, like, letting her husband, like, mess around with other people? Like, because it makes him less depressed. And it it was. Like, it was, again, one of those really veiled conversations to bounce off of Shirley. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it just completely showed the, you know, the history of women and stuff. Like, you know, it's just like a like a real timeline of like all of the different factors of why these two people even got together in the first place you know yeah yeah Yeah. Um, can't be an out out bisexual man um really at any time until he's like he feels comfortable enough in like the the 80s or whatever um yeah (laughs) yeah at the end there when he's dancing with his student well, that's like in the '90s or something. Like he like kind of oh. comes out when he walks out to the orchestra, and he's talking about they're like, this is when he's kind of split up from his wife, and he goes out on stage wearing a you know a little ascot, and he has like mm. a beard, and he's yeah. just kind of wearing a like a you know more slim outfit, a little bit more gay, and he says something about the uh, composer of that piece that they're going to do being himself and not being afraid to be himself. And he's like, so I'm going to like live out like I want to live. Um, again, like a very veiled, like not, not clear thing to do. Um, but that was like, you know, a source of his sadness and like depression too, that he couldn't really be himself because, well, for one thing he's married, but also, you know, it's not accepted in society to be to be bi. Um, so it, there's that. And then there's the fact that, like, his wife is just picking up the pieces at every moment. You know, she's she's a wife figure. She takes care of the house. Like, she's the person who knows the schedule. She's the person who takes care of the children. And she also has a job. Um, and it's it's aggravating. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, just it's what's a lot, expected. It's a lot to put on her, like expect expecting her to take on two jobs apparently. Because yeah, she had a full on career mm-hmm. when she first met Leonard, and then once you become married and have some kids, you kind of take on this second job, a, a humongous second job that's never ending. And you know, they did have like nannies and helpers um, throughout, so that was definitely very obvious. Like their wealth could afford them to do something like that. And they weren't shy about that. Like they had two homes. I mean, one of their homes literally was on the route for the Thanksgiving Macy's Thanksgiving day parade. Like what? (laughs) Yeah. That scene was so amazing where like they have their fight after she puts his clothes out on the pillow. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what was that about? You just put my clothes out on the pillow. And then the kids are, screaming out the door like like mom dad snoopy's coming snoopy's coming then snoopy just comes goes down. right by <laughs> just goes right by the window and i'm like uh, oh there's snoopy yep then they're having this oh, big fight you know about the situation that is frankly unfair to everyone and <laughs> there's no like yeah, winning it's like they're both they're both not satisfied in their current situation but they don't and they just they just are getting frustrated at each other and like kind of kind of pointing blame on each other for it when it's just like this is a decision you made <laughs> this is a decision you both made <laughs> and if it's not something 
yeah. that that you that you want anymore. I mean, and they they probably they obviously probably couldn't get divorced because of societal standards as well. Um, maybe. Well, um, you know, sure. Uh, eh, but they they maybe. like existed less, on an less, echelon where less common. It's it's possible, but. I think it was hard because they did have this love for each other. And so they kept going back to each other and eventually like being that person for each other. I mean, it's a, it's an incredible thing to have a family with someone and have that, that bond with them that she has with him that no one else will be able to have. Like, um, so true. Did you notice that his, uh, boyfriend was it William or Harry or something like that? It was like, not the princess. Tommy, like, Timmy, Tommy. It was Tommy. Um, he was the guy, and I, I heard his voice and I saw his face, and immediately I was like, "Oh my god, he was the magician in um the uh, marvelous Mrs. Maisel." Yes. <laughs> so, oh, he looked so different. Yeah, he did, but his voice is like so particular, you know. Oh man, I wasn't paying attention like quite like to his voice. But yeah, like 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 thinking back about it, I was like, yeah, if I was listening a bit more closely to his, I think I would have figured it out. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, good for that guy getting another role. He's he's great. Yeah, he was really good. Oh, the scene that kind of was crushing and and sad was the one with his daughter. played by uh Maya Hawk and of hearing yeah hearing that the rumors of her dad being by or messing around with guys probably um and just kind of like being you know alarmed <laughs> by by those that news um and him telling her that it's not true like that scene was really crushing because her reaction is so relieved that that's not ha- like that that isn't the reality but it is and he's like so sad that he can't share this par- part of himself with his daughter even though he really wants to um and it's just like you can't just put that stuff on your children either so you know, once she yeah. was old enough to, like, understand and accept it, she, you know, was kind of bitter about it, but she still loved her dad. So, it, you know. It, yeah. Because probably the, by that point, she figures out that he was lying to her originally. Well, sure. Um, I mean. But yeah. And he hesitated so long. I was like, is he going to tell her? Is he going to tell her? <laughs> I don't know. I mean. <laughs> and then he did it. I was like, oh, okay. You, you. You kind of, when you get to be an adult, you accept your parents for who they are, like, in it, in good and bad. Like, it, it's just one of those moments that I think was so well done in a film about a family or in a film about a marriage. Like, that's that was one of, like, the writing moments I feel like really shined. Yeah, that was a really good scene. Um, Try to think if there was another really good scene that I liked. the the whole The whole death, everything was just so upsetting. It was, oh, it, it you know, it's really sad. So like, I'm sitting here like watching this, like trying to not get emotional. Of course, like some tears are going down my face. Like, 
it's just he's the the tenderness and the love and the like performance from Carrie Mulligan was incredible. Yeah, she was really good. Very, yeah, very good. She's just seeing like a lot of Carrie Mulligan recently. We just watched her in Saltburn, obviously, and then uh, we actually just watched the um, Weeping Angels episode of <gasps> Doctor Who. Oh my which god, she's very good in. Yeah, she yeah. is. Oh my god, that's amazing. So <laughs> yeah, so I've actually been seeing a lot of Carrie Mulligan. You have, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I watched Pride and Prejudice pretty recently as well, and you know. Oh yes, definitely can't forget about that. Yeah, um, but uh, definitely not complaining. Love no, Carrie Mulligan. She's, she's amazing. So I mean, so I good. I would be really happy if she won um, Best Supporting Actress for this as well. The woman who <gasps> Has she ever won an award. I don't think so. Um, uh, no, she's she was just nominated for two Oscars. The past two were. Um, let's see. She is just so pretty. I love her so much. She's she really reminds me of my friend Jenny. Like I was especially watching her with this, you know, kind of accent, this like New York or transatlantic kind of posh ish accent and i was like wow this is this sounds just like just like jenny um she got a nomination for being in an education in 2010 and then for for best actress and then yes she did the same in promising young woman a couple of years ago oh man so i mean right, the Carrie. I think the person who got supporting actress at the Golden Globes was Devine um, or Divine Richards. Or I, I think that's her name. Joy, Divine Joy something. Um, she's in the for holdovers. Uh, for 2021? For, oh, I mean, for, yes, for the Golden Globes that just happened two days ago. Oh. Um, oh, well. That's who won. So when we talk about the holdovers, mm. we're going to analyze, we're going to see. See who we think should win. We will definitely be doing that this year, like we always do. <laughs> Let's see, any other? I mean, this movie was just so centered around the two. Bradley Cooper and Carrie Mulligan. Exactly, yeah. Um, that we can really only, I mean, obviously everyone else in it was very good, but like it, the more substantial stuff to dissect was, mm -hmm. uh, was these two characters. I actually thought that the scene um where the two of them like meet up with Matt Bomer and Matt Bomer's uh mm, wife. wife yeah yeah that was a great scene and they kind of they they kind of go off in the same in the same direction and you kind of you kind of see this uh this cuz they were together at the beginning of the movie um mm -hmm. he's in love with him I like would, for sure so yes. like and when and there was this conversation that Carrie Mulligan and, uh, or that Felicia and Leonard were having, were having that made it sound like, like she knew about his situation, she was okay with it, and she was gonna like, like she was like, I'm okay with this, and I was like, thruple, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I don't think it was obviously that wasn't gonna happen, but you know, I could dream. I think that's possibly what Leonard, like. In maybe had thought about because he even brought up like his, Tommy. He brought Tommy around, and he wanted Tommy yeah. to like stay and he was in the like, family. You like Tommy, right? 
Yeah. So she's like, yeah, I like Tommy. And he keeps he keeps saying, like, he's so intelligent. And it's like, are you sure? You keep saying that. And are you sure he's not just a pretty face? Because I haven't heard him say the, anything substantial. The desperation in his voice when he would, yeah. you know, to be like, he's so smart. So intelligent, so smart, so talented. Yeah, like, and he's like, you okay. think Jamie would like him? Like, and she's like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> he just is like, has this desire and need to like keep him around. And I think it was just kind of like grasping at straws at that point. Um, uh, apparently, is that is that Tom? Let's see. I'm not trying to figure out exactly what his name was. I think it's Tommy Tom. There's actually a, like an interesting um, trivia about him. Let me, oh. let me make sure that that is, is, is him. Tom. There's, there's some pretty good trivia, actually. Um, if we want to go to a break and then we can talk about some of that. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, we are back. Um, still looking for the character of Tommy in this list. It was, it's Tommy Cothran. Yes. Gideon Glick. Gideon Glick. Okay, so it is actually him. So in this this trivia about, you know, the real Leonard Bernstein, um, it says, um, although the extent of Leonard Bernstein's relationship with the musicologist and composer Thomas Cawthron is implied in the movie, is never stated outright that Bernstein actually left Felicia in 1976 to pursue that romance. He did return to her the following year when she was diagnosed with breast cancer that killed her in 1978. Despite being 29 years younger than Bernstein, Tom Cawthron actually predeceased him. Cawthron died in 1987 of complications from AIDS. This led Bernstein, this led to Bernstein lending his support to various AIDS organizations in the last years of his life. A few months after Tom's death, Bernstein produced Music for Life, a celebrity benefit at Carnegie Hall for AIDS activist organization Gay Men's Health Crisis. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it was a little, like, you you could tell by how 
Leonard was getting older that like you knew that these were different points in his life, but just things things would just change so suddenly that it was, it was like getting whiplash. You're like, oh, where are we now? Oh, what's happening now? Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yes, I think he did. He did mention like them being separated for a bit, and then, but it just like it was seconds. It had been seconds, and mm-hmm. they were like just together. So it was like, what had happened during this time? Like they're just okay. Just a, a time, a a length of time has happened. Yeah. You don't even know what happened or when it happened or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit vague, <laughs> and I think like. It's very vague. <laughs> this movie, this movie is long. Is, is it's vague. It, it is a little vague, you know, and I think it's supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be a vibe. Like like you said, it doesn't really have to be as, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this, you know, it's like, okay, like we're moving on. It doesn't on. have to be. Would I appreciate it? Because I'm learning about someone I don't, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Would I have appreciated that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. For, for me specifically learning, yes. But for the vibes, do, do whatever floats your boat, honey. That's hilarious. Um, also, getting a, getting Clint Eastwood vibes from Bradley Cooper right now. I just thought about that. Oh my that god, he... yes. And, and the directing, too. Like Yes, the directing I, and starring in his films. I think that definitely Clint, Clint Eastwood. Eastwood has a lot more realism than bradley's mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. direction mm-hmm. and style for the two mm-hmm. movies that we have seen him direct it does seem like his kind of hollywood glamour fits well with the style that he wants to play like the drama that he wants to portray um i think it, it does matter to have a good screenplay and he is one of the writers of this movie um Along with um, the writer Josh Singer, he has yeah. done a lot he's, of he's other. Done things. some really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. He did, like the Post, and um, I mean Spotlight. That we, yes, Spotlight. I that mean that is an amazing screenplay. It, it's yeah. It, he it really does. I mean he wrote some West Wing, twenty six episodes of the West Wing. <laughs> so like. I'm a I'm a fan for sure. Like he does have some good drama and uh well done, I think, for for Josh Singer. Um Yeah. So again, could get a screenplay nomination as well on that on that part. Did um, you see how many producers were for this movie? I saw <laughs> Scorsese and I saw Spielberg. Oh, I didn't even notice. That is hilarious. Oh my God, so many huge I was like I was like, what? Dude. what <laughs> they like, want him insane. to be the next them like spielberg and scorsese are like okay we're passing on the reins to you bradley cooper <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh my gosh crazy the the shirt he wore uh when talking to his daughter jamie the sweatshirt with the hebrew lettering it says harvard spelled out phonetically in hebrew Oh, is that, is that the, the the crew neck he was wearing? Yes, and oh, I'm gonna God. I'm gonna read this very important trivia that obviously has a much better way of concisely saying this than I would. For the title role, Bradley Cooper wore a prosthetic nose to better amplify his resemblance to Leonard Bernstein. This drew accusations of Jew face and criticism from writers Daniel Feinberg and Ben M. Freeman and actress Tracy Ann Oberman, among others. 
However, Bernstein's children, Alexander Bernstein, Jamie Bernstein, and Nina Bernstein, defended Cooper's decision, calling the criticism disingenuous and received a statement of support from the ADL. Wow. All right. Mm. Okay. I thought this one was really cute because you were talking about, like, passing the baton on. Uh, to, to Bradley Cooper, it was like <laughs> Steven Spielberg was considered was considered for directing this movie. Uh, but when Bradley Cooper showed him an early cut of A Star Is Born, Spielberg walked over to Cooper after the shallow scene and said to him, "You're directing Maestro." Oh, <laughs> that is exactly. He's like, "You do this. I don't want to do this." <laughs> um, like, you can do it. I'm gonna go on vacation. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go to Maui. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Mulligan thought her older makeup looked like her own mother, so she took a selfie and sent it to her mother and her kids. She says the kids hated it. They were like, Mommy, what are you doing? Take it off. She added, it was pretty disturbing. The whole thing is a little bit disturbing for the family. Seeing your mother or your daughter or your wife's age, it, it's a lot. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Because <laughs> like it was those, really like, good age, makeup. Age filters that were going around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Um, all right. Well, there's no other trivia I want to read unless there's anything you see. Um, no, I think that's it. Okay. Um, this movie got, oh, you're going to have to say that clock keywords. I'm sorry. I was, I was already. Oh yes. Let me do that. Oops, 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 oops. Here we go. We've got bisexual man. Hey, hey, hey. Um, marriage, love, gay affair, cigarette smoking. Oh, it's always about the gay stuff. It's every time. But hey, but hey, at least at least this is this is proving that bisexual people exist. Oh, because they got their own tag on IMDb. It's undeniable. They're real, They're real everyone. <laughs> yes, they are. They exist. And they um, may yeah, I mean, be... this was this movie, right? <laughs> Yeah, and so many bisexual people have existed, and so many of them may be just your favorite composers of classics like West Side Story and On the Town. Yeah, my romance novel I'm reading right now um has uh has bisexual characters in it, and uh, it's a good old time. Yeah, more fun for everybody. Um, this movie got a 77 Metascore. It got 49 positive reviews, 12 mixed reviews, and zero negative reviews. And there are seven 100s on here. Seven. Oh, damn. The lowest is a 40 from the Christian Science Monitor. Okay, well, Mm. (laughs) I don't know if I want to read that one. Well, Um, you can read the 50 from Larson on film. Oh, it is the it is the lowest. I have to read it. Right, here we go. <laughs> oh, all right. Christian Science Monitor gave it a forty. Directed by Cooper, who also co-wrote the script with Josh Singer. The film serves up so much Sturm, Sturmundrang. What? Sturmundrang. Um, about the great man's messed up private life that it barely bothers to explore his creative genius. Um, Strom und Drang. Let's see what that means. It means a literary and artistic movement in Germany in the late 18th century, influenced by Jean-Jacques Rousseau and characterized by the expression of emotional unrest and rejection of neoclassical literary norms. It also means turbulent emotion or stress. 
There we go. Um, okay. But if this movie didn't really didn't really help us get to know the character, get the person as a as a person, then we would just be then we would just be seeing a documentary. A a yeah, Peter. It is it is interesting that he wanted to see his creative genius more, but I mean, is that the most interesting thing about him? That's and not it's stuff that what people they have wanted. widely experienced, like <laughs> yes. the West Side Story on the waterfront, on the town. I have seen all of these movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me, a thirty-year-old woman, <laughs> yeah, um, have seen all of these. Have experienced all of this music, so I already know his creative genius. <laughs> I think that he wanted to get into the mind of a genius, which there are other things and other movies that literally do that exact thing including a tv show called genius so if you'd like to go watch that um it's about what's that it's just a show like it was like an anthology show i think one of them was like about you know um picasso or something i don't know i didn't watch it oh were these on were these on netflix i don't think so but it's possible um, I, I remember there being like an episodic like little documentary show or something that was on was yeah no I think this was like a scripted show but okay it came out a while ago but like there's also okay. other you know other genius men that have been overly exposed in our in our media <laughs> you know uh mm-hmm so yeah or great individuals including oppenheimer which the entire movie is about his genius as well so you know maybe (laughs) go watch that instead (laughs) yeah i mean this movie was very stylized and a little and a little different um and that might not be to everyone's taste I'm going to read the Screen Crush 50. It says, this couple's connection feels authentic and lived in. But I must confess that at a certain point, I began to feel like an additional dimension was missing. Some sort of tangible connection between Bernstein's outward persona and his marital stresses. Or between his sexuality and the steps he took to hide it and his musical output. That is Mm. true. I agree with you, Matt Singer. I very much agree with this. That is a really good blurb. You were literally trying to say that thing. You were like, there's something there that is not... It's like, I feel... You just articulate. It's always a feeling. It's a feeling that I can never never put into words. I'm like, something... Something. (laughs) Something was not there. Could... Was there, but was off. I don't... (laughs) An additional dimension was missing, as Matt Singer says. Like, that is exactly right. I totally agree. Thank you, Matt. That was that's exactly how I was feeling. <laughs> I love Thank it. Thank you for I... putting my jumbled up mess of a mind into words. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to get a, a green one in here. Let's see. Um, okay, I'm just going to read this. Picking, you... I'm going to start picking one of the 100s to read. So yeah, you... do it. Do it. Um, I'm going to read this 75 from USA Today, mostly because it references Tar. Um, Maestro offers a counterpoint of sorts to last year's Tar, whereas Kate Blanchett's look at a fictional conductor is a more insightful look at the complicated aspects of artistry. Cooper's work succeeds in bringing an American legend to life while also examining his humanity. 
Aw. There you go. I'm glad that they referenced her because I was literally like, didn't we just watch a movie about a composer? Which also had the like, that was more of like a thriller. So, but but the genius was so clear and, and also really abrasive. Whereas this one was just like drama, like emotional drama, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But both kind of have that same vibe of like, it's it's hard to, it's hard to be enough for a genius or be in love with a genius it's just there's always exactly exactly right it's like oh it's so hard to be in love with a genius because they you can't control them it's like it's just a man he's just a man they're not gonna be what you want them to be (laughs) they're never gonna be what you want them to exactly (laughs) i completely i had completely forgotten about tar until you just brought it up i was like oh right oh right yeah that that movie that was a wild movie oh man um i am going to do um the time 100 okay so we've got here this is a complex and sophisticated picture the kind of grown-up love story we see all too rarely these days especially when it comes to starry big ticket movie making it's entertaining and robust and forthright it's also tremendously sad not necessarily in a bring your hanky way uh but in a deeper more truthful way Mm. okay sure i think i agree with that about 80 percent which is probably why i think that this movie in my opinion deserves like an 82 83 percent okay just just a little bit of a bump just a little bit of a bump to to knock out the um the the christian observer the christian whatever it was called (laughs) monitor (laughs) I yeah, because it is it is a good movie. Um, it is missing a little bit. It's not a perfect movie, but it's entertaining. It's a period piece. Love those. So it's easily accessible, which we mm-hmm. love that for us these days. Yeah. Um, we all know we all know the struggle that's about to rain down upon us as the Oscar noms <laughs> come out, and only Shit. six of the eleven movies are available to watch. <laughs> Um, yeah, we were doing our best here, everybody. We had a very busy year. Um, I think you can forgive our trespasses. <laughs> and the year has just started, and it's already an even busier year for me. So, <laughs> uh, um, yes. So, and for you, Miss Married Woman. Yeah, I'm really busy as well. But you know what? I never am too busy to fit in this podcast because I enjoy talking about movies and watching them with you. We will always, we'll always make time, always yeah. make time for this podcast. Wow, I stumbled <laughs> over my words. Okay, um, I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, I think we're done here. Um, all right, that was Maestro. It is on Netflix, so definitely check that out. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and IMDb. We are also on Amazon Music, Spotify, and Acast. If you'd like to email us, please do that at allbythepopcornpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow our social media. We have Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search All By The Popcorn or All By The Popcorn Podcast. And we have merch. So please check that out. But thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.